Welcome to the Cinescare Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak. And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And uh, Joe, we are now in February. February. And we are in double digits. What do you mean? This is episode number 10. Oh, yes, 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 yes. This is number the, 10. The big one oh. Yeah, that's true. A couple, couple more episodes we'll be able to drive. Yeah, we are drinking age. No, yes. no, no, not actually, yet. no, that's not true. No. <laughs> we got a long way to go before yeah. we can drink. Maybe in France. Yes. Uh, really? Can you so, drink as a 10 year old in France? I don't know if they have. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I and always we, heard that French kids get to drink wine with their families at dinner. That's the only thing. I know. God, I wasted my youth growing up in the States and Irish. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, Joe, I was watching a, a show, a little show called American Pickers, yeah. and, they, and they were in your hometown of LaSalle, Illinois, the other day. I saw that episode, the big uh, hardware store. Yeah. Episode. Yes, I did see that one. Yes. Yeah. Did they you go to that? Did you go to that uh, hardware store? One and no. two. Is it haunted? Uh. No, and I have no idea. Uh, I lived there for 18 years. I had no idea. I mean, I know where that place is. And for the life of me, I don't think it was ever really open when I was around. I mean, it's just like on First Street in LaSalle. Um, I, uh, it was nothing to me. It was a white noise mm-hmm. blip on the radar. Uh, but I, I didn't really know anything about it until they did that episode. But uh, it, if it's not haunted, it really looks like it should be. Yeah, it definitely does. It was. It's a nice, nice place. Um, I would have spent a lot of time there, but I spent a lot of time in in hardware stores when I was a kid. So um, there was a, well, one. There was one down the street. K and K. Yep, hardware in downtown Bettendorf, and uh, the finest. Toy- the finest hardware store in the Quad Cities. In my it opinion. is. It, it still is actually. Yeah. But um. Uh, and actually, it would be one of the finer hardware stores in L.A. I I think it's a great hardware store. Yeah. Um. But I and they are not sponsors either, by the way. <laughs> um. But yeah. They. No. True. <laughs> they did have a little toy section. That I used to like. I like going in there and checking out they always had those models model airplanes and model cars or whatever you could build and then they always had the red rider bb gun too so i don't know that's very fascinating stuff i'm sure for everyone but and that concludes our section of tool talk for yes, the this exactly. episode uh so a little plug for LaSalle, illinois and, and k&k hardware and k&k hardware as well uh Joe, I have been. I, I do want to say before we get into the movies because uh, there's uh, definitely some movies we're going to be talking about. But I, I've been watching a TV show that isn't necessarily horror, but there are some horror horrific elements to it. It's sort of and some horror adjacent elements, uh, and it's called Search Party. It is, I believe, it was a TBS show originally, but it's on HBO Max. And it's fantastic, I gotta say. Um, and there are some there are some elements of horror in it. Definitely a kind of a mystery ish uh, starts out, and then but it's it's really about this group of four friends who 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 
start searching for this girl who's missing, who was a friend of theirs in college, really more of an acquaintance in college. And they start searching for her and a bunch of stuff just starts happening basically. And it is one of the funniest things I've seen on TV in quite some time uh, since Schitt's Creek actually, um, which we got into about a year or so ago and binged through that whole thing. And, and we love that show and it's right up there in funny in, I mean, it's a different kind of show. This is more of a dark comedy, but uh, so that's search party on HBO max. I, I highly recommend everyone going out and uh, watching that immediately. And at the end of the episode, we do have a, uh, another ghost story is a good one uh, from Portland, Oregon. Hey, I've I've actually too. Uh, trust me, there will this will make sense at the end. Uh, I've been watching a new show too. It's not new; it's new to me. But uh, on Netflix, I've been watching Glow. Oh, the glorious ladies of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I gotta say I watched the first episode and really wasn't all that thrilled with it, but uh, decided to give it a second chance. Kept watching it. I, I'm just starting season three. It's it's actually, it's a very solid show. I got to say, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. But the whole reason I'm bringing it up is because it's one of its stars is Betty Gilpin of The Hunt, ah. which was my number one movie of 2020. See that segue that I built? Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's almost professional how you did it's that. It's almost like it was planned out. Yeah. Uh, okay, Joe, I'm going to get us started off uh, with something that I, I must warn people never to watch uh, unless you really, really want to watch something horrible. It is uh, and terrifyingly horrible. It is bad. And in fact, it's almost unforgivable uh, that you recommended that I watch this. So I I will hold a grudge against you for quite some time. This was uh, the drive-in. Well, actually, there's no the at the beginning. It's just called Drive-In Massacre. Drive-In Massacre, yeah. uh, From 1976, directed by Stu Seagal. Uh, two police detectives try to catch a serial killer who is stalking a rural California drive-in theater, randomly killing people with a sword. <laughs> and let me tell you, they, I, I do believe they're the only qualification that you need in this town uh, to be a cop is to be fat and wear frumpy chubby. clothing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. chubby. You know, if you check walk that in box with, number one. Exactly. If you are chubby and you wear really frumpy suits, then they will just hire you immediately. They might even go looking for those guys because that's all they had on their police force. And they they seem to have their desks lined up right next to each other for no apparent reason. Oh, the set dressings was just phenomenal in that. Yeah. Um, And they spent an awful lot of time interviewing dimwits uh, about a murder that happened. What was his name? Was it like Gibby or something like that? Gibby, I think, or yeah, some yeah. no. Oh. Uh, I can't remember now exactly what it was. It was it was yeah, I don't remember now. But uh it's certainly not worth thinking about. <laughs> but it was th- th- this was one of those movies that comes along every now and then that makes you think making movies isn't very easy. You know, it's not as easy as it looks and they made it look harder than it probably really is. It's Jeremy. Jeremy. That's right. Jeremy. Yes. But, uh, but he wanted to be called something else. 
like Germy or Germy, uh, Germy, or something. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Oh, terrible, terrible. This is, um, this is a gem. Yeah. This is a fine. This is like when you're uh, to pardon my nerdum going through a bunch of long boxes at a comic book convention, and then all of a sudden you find that one missing issue to some big long run that you've been trying to complete for years. This just, uh, I, I'm totally on the other side of the fence with Matt. I think this is something everybody should watch. I I think no one should it's, ever watch it. <laughs> it's like 90 minutes long. It's not going to kill anybody. Well, that's um, true. And, and, and it's <laughs> just, you, you got to watch it just for the ending, the cliffhanger. It's at least 89 minutes too long, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> So many twists and turns, and I love, I love the um, the turn that it takes towards the end when they're in the warehouse, and they think they've got their killer. I mean, I don't yeah. want to ruin this for anybody, but that just, no, it, that red herring well, came out of nowhere. That it, the movie was ruined long before that scene <laughs> happened, Jill. But uh, yeah, no, that that one came. Well, yeah, it came out of nowhere. I yeah. I, I don't think I was, I might've been drifting off, not sleeping, but just not paying attention for a period there because I, all of a sudden they're in that warehouse with that guy and that girl. And I'm like, how did we get here? How did that even happen? It's almost um, like they, they passed out from cocaine overdose and somebody else who didn't read the first half of the script started picking up where they left off and wrote a whole nother movie. Yeah. Well, I think there were a couple things like that because there was a scene that the very opening scene with the couple at the drive-in who are talking and the girl says that she's pregnant, right? She tells him, <laughs> I'm pregnant. And then the guy comes and kills them both, right? And it's a pretty gruesome kill. I'll, I'll give him credit. They probably had a yeah. really low budget. And, uh, and so, you know, I think they did a pretty good job probably with the money they had. But then... The next kill is basically the same scene. It's another couple at the drive-in theater, and the woman tells the guy that she's pregnant. And it almost makes me wonder if if one of those scenes was originally the scene, the first scene, and and then they reshot it. So this was like take two. With a different couple, maybe, <laughs> for some reason. And then we're like, well, let's just use both of these or yeah. something, you know, it, it, because it was basically the same scene. It was like, um, it was the screen test for those yeah. two couples. Yeah. Except the, Put the them kill, both in, they're great. Yeah. The kill was different. It was through both of them or something like that with the yeah. sword. But what do anyway. you expect for a movie that literally was shot in four days? Well, I it <laughs> definitely looked like a movie that was shot in four days. Uh, although it, some of those scenes were just, I, I don't know how they got through them, but. At any rate, that is the drive in that is drive in massacre from nineteen seventy six If you are somebody who loves really bad b movies uh and loves that novelty like my friend Joe, then please by all means go see it if you and it's i believe did I have to rent this thing that's that's another thing I, I don't think yeah so. I, I thought believe it was Amazon I did. prime it you might have been you paid money to see this well. I don't know if I did or not now that I think about it. I think it, it was it, Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, that's the one saving grace. If you, you have know, to run it, don't do it. They were That movie's buzz has flatlined since 1976, the day after it was released. We just spiked it. Like 3,000%. Nobody's talked about this movie in over 30 years. But now... I'm sure they haven't. It's, and I it's, wish probably, it's probably going to be like screaming up the charts now because of 
our our push. I have for no all doubt. Of our, all of our dozens of listeners to go watch this film. I can't believe we spent this much time on this movie. We spent more time talking about it than they did writing it. I, I, it yeah. <laughs> if we keep going, it'll be uh, more time than probably anyone I want, I want to talk, has spent watching it. I want to talk about this movie for 99 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What movie do you have? Uh, okay. I. So let's just catch everybody back up on what the main theme of this episode was. Is We decided since our first episode of the year was our own individual top 10 list and we had no crossover except for one movie. We were going to pick two or three of the others movies and uh, give those a watch. Cause believe it or not, there were 20 movies total and we, so it would have been 19 individual movies. Yeah. Well, and, and I did it, Joe, by the way, I did do this, um, including your, Massacre, um, but uh, but I uh, um, they, they but I, when I looked at your list, I had actually seen a lot of the movies on your list. We we just our lists weren't the same. Like my top right. ten wasn't the same as your top ten, but I had actually seen a lot of the movies on there. So, but anyway, there were there were a few that I hadn't. So, okay, well the uh, the the main one that or the first one I should say that I watched of your list that I hadn't seen was, you know, I had to start with your number one. So I saw the dark and the wicked. And uh, if I had to pick one word to describe this movie, it's intense. Um, I mean, I, I was texting Matt like halfway through this movie. Going, oh my God, I'm, I'm terrible at my job. This, this should have been watched, you know, a couple of times by now, this movie was absolutely fantastic. I will never eat or cut for that matter. Carrots. Again, um, yeah, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Yeah, there's a scene. This mother is just chopping up some carrots by the sink, and oh, just turns your stomach. Well, and then you'll—I don't want to give anything away, but you'll never look at sewing needles again the same no, way. I would imagine. No, or showering with my father right outside the shower curtain. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> But I try to avoid that at all costs. So. I, I don't know what other way you could <laughs> see that in, but hopefully you'll never see it, was, it the same way. It was horrific enough of an experience, but now you add this onto it, it's, uh, I can't do it. Can't do it anymore. I'm going to make my dad leave the bathroom next time I shower. Yeah. <laughs> that should really be the first thing you do anyway. But uh, but no, seriously, uh, The Dark and the Wicked, is you, if you have not seen this, I – Watch it right after Drive-In Massacre, so you will see what a horrible movie is and then what actual art is. This movie was fantastic. It was a nail-biter, very intense. Um, the special effects were phenomenal. Uh, I just I cannot say enough good things about this movie. I now know why Matt had this as his number one. Uh, his list makes my list look terrible. I'll admit it. But, um, yeah, this was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, no, it's I I I'm definitely going to go back to it because uh, my son Resner went he he watched it this weekend at uh, a friend's house on a sleepover, uh, which you know that took me back because I used to do that kind of thing when I was a a kid too. We'd have a sleepover and we'd always want to watch a scary movie during the sleepover. Oh, that's so. that that you didn't have a sleepover when I was a kid without a scary movie. Oh yeah, no, and usually 
of course, back then it it wasn't as you didn't have access to the movies as easily as uh, anywhere nearly as easily as as these kids do now. Uh, I mean, we had to wait and see what popped up on television, but at least HBO uh, would at night show usually on a weekend yeah. at night there were scary movies playing. And so that kind of reminded me of that, but he came back and he was like, that was so scary. And uh, I, I was like, Oh yeah, no, that's a good one. So Michelle still hasn't seen it. So I'm going to be showing it to, to her probably sometime this week or this weekend. Yeah. We used to plan out our sleepovers as kids, you know, and you kind of had to plan for it. Cause we were all trying to top the other person for who would have the scariest movies at their house. Mm. And uh, God, if it wasn't for that type of stuff, I never would have seen something like Sleepaway Camp. Oh, couldn't sleep at all that night. Yeah, that and uh, always, you know, the Friday the 13th movies were always oh, yeah. on. And, yeah. And uh, all of those like that. Yeah, no, the, the, that was the best. Um, okay, so my next one was Books of Blood I watched of yours. And, uh, you know, I just, I really had a hard time getting into this one. Um, I did give it, I gave it, why don't I give it? Two and a half stars, two and a half cuts, or whatever it is we're saying. Uh, it, I, I had a hard, hard time sticking with it, paying attention uh, to it. And I think you had told me that it was supposed to be a Hulu series that got the ax. So they turned it into a Hulu movie. Is that right? Or something like that. They're, they're... Yes, that is correct. Sorry. I was, uh, I could not figure out how to unmute my mic. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and so, and, and I think it kind of showed that, you know, like it, it looked like it was, it really wasn't meant to be a movie and, and it might've been interesting to see as a, as a TV show, but, uh, I also think that that the people making it, I, I don't think they went far enough. I think it it needed to be weirder. Uh, it needed to be more Clive Barker esque. You know, his stuff is way weirder than that. It's way darker. It's way um, creepier than that. And this was sort of a. It just seemed like a, a general kind of generic Hulu thing. Uh, but I could see where could, there were some cool things. I thought the guy who wound up with all the stuff written on him, you know, uh, that was a pretty cool thing. It definitely had a, uh, you know, sort of a vibe, like a pinhead esque vibe. And, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I'm not up on the whole Hellraiser lore, but I have a feeling that it, it, there's some crossover there. Is, is, is there, do you know? Crossover, I, like I don't, with like with the Hellraiser and and that whole mythos that they had. Is there some crossover with Books of Blood? I don't believe so. I mean, other than okay. it's all Clive Barker stuff, but right, yeah. yeah. But I mean, so it's sort of like like Nightbreed. Yeah, yeah it, I don't it, think it's like uh, pulling from one universe into another or anything. Okay, uh, but that part of it with the with the kid that you know with the writing all over his body and everything that kind of felt. Um, in that universe a little bit, or at least adjacent to it. But um, so I, I didn't really, I, I didn't hate it. It's definitely interesting, but I, I think it, uh, I think it, it needs to be a TV series and, and, and handled by someone who's a little more, a little edgier, you know? And I, I feel like Clive Barker just can't 
get a break when it comes to movies. You know what I mean? Like I just, yeah. I, I mean, I know Hellraiser is a classic that every or you know, people feel it's a classic. I, for some reason it's just, I, I don't get into it, but um, I know a lot of people really do and everything, but it, I, I just feel like, you know, he doesn't have that one, you know, like Stephen King has the shining, you know, and he's got, even though he didn't really care for the shining too much, it's still, it's a classic of film. And I and mean, we got, could probably pick something else off the Stephen King. Yeah. Book, well, uh, also the, I mean, misery, misery and, yeah. uh, uh, well, Shawshank Redemption, it's not really a horror, but he's got some no. that were really great movies. Right. Carrie. And Parker, Carrie, right. Uh, and, and, but Clive and, uh, well, I, I liked Salem's Lot a lot, but um, Christine, Christine. Yeah. but Clyde Barker doesn't have that. He doesn't have that one big movie that's really like a great movie. You yeah. know, he's got he's got a lot of movies that have become kind of cult classics or whatever, but nothing. I, I wouldn't say that any of them are scary. You know, any of them really. Oh, no, scary. no, not at all. So anyway, uh, that was it. I. Uh, I, I can appreciate the story, but I, I I would have liked it to be a little better than that. But anyway, that's Books of Blood from 2020. Although I, I will say that's a very interesting point you bring up. That that would be a wonderful addition to the Hellraiser franchise if you had that guy, that medium, mm-hmm. who acted like he could talk to the dead and actually, you know, got called into the Cenobites. And that yeah. that would be an, a wonderful installment. Yeah, he seems definitely like he, see. Yeah you know, the two crossing over. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, the next one I did off my list was your number five. I did uh, alone. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, again, just, uh, very intense. I, there's, there's a lot of slow pitching softball stuff coming your way. I mean, this is just a typical story of a girl out on her own driving along and she probably, made a bunch of dumb decisions and shouldn't have gone completely by herself and should have used that cell phone a little bit more and notified people where she was, but didn't. And then of course you've got your abductor, your uh, Buffalo bill, if you will. And who, you know, right from the get go, right out of the blocks, he's got, you know, his arm and a sling and everything. And it's, it's basically just a continuation. It's, it's almost like they, like you said with the other one, like it was in the same universe. Like this could have just been one, another one of Buffalo Bill's kills. But um, again, I, I will admit this is a very, very intense movie. Um, oh, and speaking of Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, it was the the guy that in Silence of the Lambs that was in charge of the asylum. The old guy. He yeah. was in that movie. Oh, he was? Remember the hunter? That found the girl when oh, she finally escaped. That's him. That's him. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I did not recognize him. So there is a little bit of a crossover in that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, a woman traveling out. She just gotten divorced, mm-hmm. and was there no? Or did he die? He committed uh, suicide. Yeah, that's right. He committed suicide. Committed suicide. And she was trying to pick up the pieces of her life and decided to, you know, start all over again. And she's on this pilgrimage across the nation driving up by herself and guy keeps bumping into her coincidentally and all these you know it's just a little too coincidental and eventually ends up getting abducted and it's 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 a very very intense on the edge of your seat movie i highly recommend it it was very well done very well paced uh no point in time 
I mean, even though you know these little things are coming down the road eventually, you're you're not bored with it at all. Uh, they did a wonderful job of making it all new again. So again, I cannot recommend this enough. Actually, probably most of the stuff on Matt's list is phenomenal. But yeah, number five, your your number five was fantastic alone. Yeah, no, I love that. I thought that was really good. It's just bare bones. It's you know, I mean, you you really it it. There's not a lot of backstory to it. It's all you almost get into the action almost immediately. And yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, you get a hint of something. You don't need to know that, but that's the thing is you don't really exactly. need to know more. You get a hint that she's going across the country to her parents' house because something happened. You know, you come to find out certain things, but but you only know what you need to know and nothing more. Every scene is spare, and and every everything that happens is is it's like efficiency in filmmaking. It's like every it's down to just the visceral action. Yeah, they trimmed out all the fat, yeah. all the padding. I mean, they even and it's extremely believable, even down to the point where the woman is ignoring the calls from her mother cuz you know, yeah. she's going to get in a conversation with her and it's just going to be a bunch of nagging. I right. mean, if I were in her shoes, I wouldn't want to pick up the phone either. Yeah. No, that made sense. Very well and, done. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think you're right about her not calling. Uh, you know, I would think that somebody who felt like they were being followed would call a friend or call someone and say, hey, there's a guy in this kind of car or write down the license plate even and just say this, you know, this guy's been following me. I, I think most people, especially most women, uh, have been conditioned enough to be self-protective uh, and, and they would probably do something like that, write down the license plate number and, and call someone and say, Hey, if something happens to me, this is, this car is right. following me. Right. Um, so that didn't make sense. But ultimately though, most of the things she did, like she didn't engage with the guy very much. She, when he was pulled over, she like drove on, she tried to do the right things generally. Um, and it still happened, but anyway, it's a, yeah, I love that movie. The so. part that, the only part that I thought was a little unbelievable that I questioned a couple of times through the movie was the route she was driving. Yeah. You know, it seems like the roads are all these like forest laden, you know, twisty, turny roads. I'm like, isn't there an interstate around here yeah. you should be on for a few miles at least? Yeah. That was just probably narrative convenience. You know, if yeah. she's on an interstate, oh, it's right. You know, yeah. Uh, and the fact that he kept finding her all the time, like it's not that easy to find yeah. someone constantly, yeah. especially if you're hours behind. Um, okay. Um, but you know, that's sort of the, the balancing act between believability and high tension, you know, cause if yeah. you didn't keep finding her, I guess there'd be no movie. So yeah, if she was on the interstate, she would have made better time. She would have gotten there. No yeah. problem. And then no movie. Well, and if she just flown, that none of this would have happened. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with her? Yeah, <laughs> airline tickets nowadays—that should have yeah. been a breeze. Who drives across country? <laughs> um, okay, so the next movie I saw of yours was Becky, and uh, I did like this. Oh. This was really good. I thought um, uh, I thought Kevin James was good. I I would have really enjoyed. Uh, it, he definitely played the icy coldness of the guy, I guess. It would have been cool to see. I think you said Simon Pegg was originally uh, yes. 
cast to play that role. And that would have been really interesting because I, I'd love to see a, um, an actor with a bit more range playing that part. But mm-hmm. but he was fine. He was intimidating and everything. But he came off more like a guy that would be a henchman rather than the leader. You know what I mean? I, I would have right. liked to have seen a guy who was a little more maniacal as that leader. I'm, not that he wasn't maniacal, but just uh, – outwardly a maniacal um, more more brains than bronze right exactly which simon Pegg obviously would have been more of a mm-hmm. brain but i do appreciate kevin james's brawn with that particular character with the white supremacy I, very yeah. intimidating yeah no i no he was definitely intimidating so it's i'm kind of you know nitpicking a little bit but i it would have been cool to see you know i wish i hadn't known really that simon Pegg was was you know because <laughs> not not that i'm blaming you but i mean yeah. knowing that i would have been like oh but he would have done that this way you know what i mean so yeah kind of took you out of it a little bit but that's just you know nitpicking um it was a good movie i thought uh uh, the girl did a good job. Obviously, there's some suspension of b- disbelief that has to happen when you're talking about a teenage girl taking on one-on-one each of these big bad guys. But but she was crazy enough to to make it work. And uh, uh, I thought I thought the the it was more violent than I was expecting. That's for sure. Um, but but I thought they did a really good job. It was intense. It was basically a by the numbers. Um, uh, home invasion story where there's killers or bad guys, prison escapees looking to uh, find something that they need and holding the family hostage. And, and you, you got a lot of the tropes there for, for home invasion. Um, but I thought they did a good job. And also, you know, there's a little bit of like revenge in there, a, a revenge kind of movie as well. So, and those are always once the, that story on a revenge home invasion kind of thing gets going it kind of runs itself a little bit so it's kind of as long as you can do that well and keep the tension going it kind of will play out on its own so um i thought it's a good one especially if you're just up for some mindless violence and and excitement uh it it's a good one it's definitely worth checking out and that is becky from 2020 and uh, this was uh number three on your list or I can't no, remember. It wasn't that high. Uh, oh, it wasn't? No, uh, Becky was number nine. Number nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, my biggest fault with that movie is casting Joel McHale just because I don't like him. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I. it's not that I don't like him. He's a decent actor, but he usually plays a character, like a character that I'm supposed to not like. Yeah. You know, he always is. So I've just am conditioned, like watching community. I'm yeah. conditioned to think he's a smarmy lawyer. And yeah. so I didn't care if he got killed, you know? Yeah. He has a certain smarminess to him that, that yeah. works well for the, and it's hard to see him as, as more than that. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Well, my last movie that I watched off of your list was your, Number six, his house. Ah, uh, I, I'm sorry to say, but I didn't get it. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't like it. I dozed off a bit. I had to like go back and rewind it. I just was. It wasn't clicking with me at all. Hmm. Um, I yeah, just you know, it's. I, I, this one doesn't click with everyone. I and mean, people who do like it love it. Love it. Think it's one of the best movies of the year. And then other people, it just doesn't do anything for them. Yeah, it just it, it was lost on me. I I felt like there was an awful lot of setup before I got to some things that were visually interesting. Um, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I understood the concept. At least I thought I did. Um, but it just, it wasn't for me. Um, the characters were fine. The storyline, like I said, it's just, it seemed really broken up. Mm-hmm. Like there didn't sit it. I don't, it was, maybe it was all the flashbacks or the jumping locations and times and realities and whatnot, but it just, I couldn't get into it. I didn't feel like it was a cohesive movie. Uh, so yeah, that that's, I guess out of the three that I watched by far least favorite. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, I, I know, you know, that one has been, I, I don't know if I'd say mixed because it's, it's gotten, you know, pretty good reviews, but I, it definitely not everybody likes it. Um, and then my last movie isn't actually, I, I was going to watch hashtag alive or is it pound sign alive? I'm, I, 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 I don't know. Um, that, that was the joke that I made when yeah. I did the review. Yeah. Um, so, but I actually, uh, I, I, and I was going to watch that today. Um, because I know I had, which movie I really hoped you watched. Well, it's not anything that you hoped I watched. Why? Okay. I, I just, I really wanted to hear what you thought about my number one, the hunt. I already watched the hunt. I told you that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's why I, w- I would have watched your number one, but I, I saw the hunt and oh, I, that's right. Okay. I wasn't a yeah. huge fan of the hunt. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I liked it and I thought we, th- we enjoyed it and everything, but it was one of those. I just didn't think about much after it was over. Um, yeah. but, uh, Probably, I mean, I kind of had the same feeling about it that you had with his house. Probably, it just didn't click with me. Sure, um, sure. And uh, I think I also I had seen it not long after Alone, and I was so blown away by Alone that it just, and not that they're the same movie, but it, I just, I, it's I, like it going was, from having a steak to eating a cheeseburger. Kinda, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the cheeseburger, but it's no, nope. you know, it's not. Anyway, um, so, but I did, I, I watched The Fog today, the original, which is a review, you know, it's not like I haven't seen it. I own it and I've seen it a million times, but uh, one of the characters in it was the father, the the priest uh, played by Hal Holbrook and Hal Holbrook passed away today. So yeah, I, uh, and, and I had uh, no, I I'm friends with his daughter. Uh, we're more Facebook friends now than anything. Uh, his, his, not his daughter, but his stepdaughter. He married Dixie Carter in the eighties. Uh, if you remember, she was in the TV show designing women, Designing women. Yes. And her daughter, Jenna Carter wrote a play, uh, sugar baker. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and I think they met on that show, Hal Holbrook had a recurring role and they met on that and then they wound up getting married. So his stepdaughter, Jenna, uh, she wrote a play called, well, she wrote two plays that I was in. One, I had a very tiny part. It was called, um, and then, or uh, You Did What? And then the sequel play to You Did What was called, And Then What Did You Do? And I had a big, I had a, one of the main roles in And Then What Did You Do? And um, so I got to meet him through her and he came to a lot of shows and he actually helped us tear down the set. Just the nicest, nicest guy in the world. And so I, I, you know, I, I was thinking back on the times that we had um, that he would, uh, he and, and Dixie would come uh, 
to the show or after the show, he came to a couple or he came to the rap party and I think the opening party maybe or whatever. And, and it was just so nice talking to him. He's so down to earth. He's just the nicest guy. And, uh, um, he, I remember we had a conversation after the second play um, or after the opening night of the second play. And he said, well, you know, I, we were talking about casting this play and we, I remember you from the first play and I thought, why don't you put him in that part? And he said, so I had something to do with you getting cast in this. And uh, that was, I always, I kind of treasured that moment because obviously it's Hal Holbrook. He played, uh, uh, well, Mark Twain in, in a one man show for years and years, but he also was in so many great movies from the Fletch Fletch. Yeah. Uh, the firm, uh, yeah. he was in, um, uh, all the president's men, which is an absolute classic. He played deep throat in all the president's men and, uh, you know, just movie after movie. He's one of those guys who just keeps working and you see him in a lot of stuff, but then you can't think of all the things that you've seen him in. Um, but, uh, I so I knew that he had done some horror movies and I and I, of course I remembered that he was in the fog and it had been some years since I'd revisited the fog so I revisited that today and it's such a great movie um it's not I I think the ending is is a little um you know it it's a little anticlimactic but I I the atmosphere in this movie is just so great with the rolling fog and the music and and it's just John Carpenter at the height of his powers you know and he's setting up atmosphere he's setting up mood uh and the, the music is fantastic which I'm pretty sure he wrote the music uh it's it's just it's just a really good movie and of course having a guy like Hal Holbrook in a movie like that really grounds the movie. You know, it becomes more than just a B movie when you have great actors, which he did. He had Tom Atkins again, Tom Atkins, uh, who was, if you recall, he's the lead actor in Halloween three and having that creepy love scene with the, with the, that young girl, uh, who could forget he, it? he has another creepy love scene with Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis was 20 in that role yeah. and he was 43 years old. So <laughs> come on now. All right. That's a little creepy, but back in those days, I guess it was a free for all when you were a male actor that was sought after you, they would put you together with the hottest young actress or whatever. But uh, it is a little creepy watching uh, that guy with um, younger actors, but, but I like Tom Atkins. So I, I don't want to like, Plus it bag had Adrian on Barbeau and Janet Leigh in it. Yep, Janet Leigh, Adrian Huge Barbeau. Cast. Yeah, it's a great cast, great cast. And and John Carpenter himself plays a small role. No. Um, yeah, he plays at the beginning uh, a guy working for the priest. So anyway, I, this was just a hearkening back for me and a little way for me to, to kind of um, raise a glass to uh, one of our great actors, one great American actors of all time, character actors, uh, Hal Holbrook. So that is The Fog from 1980, I believe, or is it 81? 80, 1980. 80. Oh, boy, you know, John Carpenter, he went on a, a run there for a while. He had Halloween and then The Fog, and he had uh, The Thing all in the span of a few years. They're just great, great movies. And I think those were his three best, too. I did have one other movie that I watched. Oh. That I wouldn't mind mentioning just because uh, I found out it just came onto Hulu. <clears throat> For those of you who are subscribers, uh, I watched the 2010s Frozen. Um, have you ever seen this one? The, the animated, animated movie? Drink. 
<laughs> no, that was 2013, and it's not a horror film. Uh, this is well, I, wondered, <laughs> I wondered why you were mentioning it. Let it go, or what is it? Let it go? Or let something? it go, yeah, let it go. Um, no, this is, the. I believe the phrase that they put on the movie posters is, this movie does for ski trips what Jaws did for boats. This is about uh, these three like high school or I guess college age kids that go to this uh, ski resort and all they want to do is ski and snowboard all day long. And they manage to convince the guy that runs the ski lift um, at the end of the night, come on, just let us go in for one more final run because they've been bribing him all day long. So he says, all right, fine, you can do it, but you got to hurry up because there's this big, huge snowstorm coming and everybody's getting off the mountain. And it's like already pitch black at night. So he lets them back up on the ski lift and he gets called into his boss's office. There's a mix up or something. So he has somebody cover for him and you know, there's a mix up and they end up forgetting that these three kids are still on the ski lift going up the mountainside. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hey, it's time to go. We got to turn off the lights and everything. So they shut the entire mountain down and these three kids are stuck on a ski lift and there's a huge snowstorm coming and it's a Sunday night and they don't open again until Monday. So the whole movie is taking place like 60 feet in the air on a ski lift. Hmm. And it is just terrifying in my opinion. Oh, I'll have to check it out. What, what, uh, is, this is on Hulu? This is on Hulu. Okay. I actually, I had my 14 year old son watch this last night too, and he loved it. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, there's actually, there's even a cameo in there by Kane Hodder, who oh. played Jason on Friday the 13th. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, he's obviously a cameo as himself. He's not Jason. There's no right. hockey masks in this movie, just yeah. skis. Yeah. That would be odd. But yeah, there's, um, there's even some wolves oh. in this movie. Yeah. Uh, trust me, you'd like it. It's, it's not winning any awards, but it is, it's a very good intense movie. And I'm the type of person that I watch this. <clears throat> I think I've seen this three or four times now, but I watch it and I'm immediately thinking in my head, what would I do in that scenario? Yeah. How would I get, how would I get off that ski lift? And yeah. everything that you think of that you would do, trust me, it's wrong. It's the wrong answer. Yeah. The only right answer is to sit there and freeze to death and die. I will, you're, you're totally helpless. You got to watch this. I will check it out. Uh, Joe, I do have to say, um, now that I know which movies of, of my list you have watched, I highly recommend that you watch anything for Jackson, which was my number 10. And I, I might even move that. I would almost move that up now. It's now that I thought about it. Uh, and uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow which is my number okay. seven and, and host. Okay. Number eight. Uh, those three, I, I think you've got to watch. I, I think it's probably like spontaneous too, if you're in the mood for a comedy horror. Uh, but, but anything for Jackson host and Wolf of Snow Hollow, I think you'd love. Um, maybe not host as much. I, I think you'd like host. It, it's pretty spare and it's it's pretty bare bones, um, but you're gonna love anything. If you liked Dark and the Wicked, you're gonna love anything for Jackson. They're somewhat similar tones. Um, okay, so Joe, we've got a ghost story for you. 
All right. And hit me. Let me just say this one. This one means business. This, this is one, from Portland, Oregon. This one's from Portland, Oregon. And, and Joe, I know you know that not I like Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon, not Portland, Maine. And from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Except from Portland, Oregon, for that matter. No, no, no. That's uh, that was you got it wrong. Salem, Salem, Oregon, or or did he say Portland? I can't remember. No, I think, yeah, he said, I thought it was from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. For those of us who the don't best. know, you're the, the best, shining. Lloyd. Yep. <laughs> best damn bartender <laughs> from here to Portland, Oregon, or Portland, <laughs> Maine, for that. For that matter. All right. Um, my, my Jack Nicholson is out of practice. So. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Just as a, a note to ourselves for future reference, since that's such one of our high favorite movies, I think you and I should just dedicate an entire episode where we just do nothing but pick apart that movie. Oh, that would be beautiful. I'd love that. Yeah. And actually, uh, also Room 237 as well, the documentary. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure both the, of our listeners would like that too. And there's a documentary about the making of The Shining uh, that was shot by. Um, Stanley Kubrick's daughter, I believe, or wife, or oh, daughter, one it. of the two. Yeah. What's that? I uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I'll 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 shoot it. To Look you it up. Know. Let me know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as far as as far as Portland, Joe, you know that I I like to travel, right? Constantly globe I'm travel. Always, I'm always <laughs> going from one place to the next, and uh, one of the places that I've traveled to in my life was Portland, Oregon, which I've uh, been there a couple of times. And I got to say, it's one of my favorite cities in the United States. Have you been there? No, have never been there. Well, they have a lot of really, it's, it's a hipster paradise, Joe. If you're, if you're into hipsters, it's a great place to go look at them. Hipster and, nonsense, Matt. Yeah. Um, and also there's a really good show called Portlandia, which I highly recommend. It's a very funny show. I have seen that. It's a great show. Anyway, but the, this isn't funny business. This is about, have you, do you know what the term Shanghai means? Uh, is it like duped? Like I've been Shanghai? Basically, yeah. That, I think that's what it's come to be known as. Uh, but the term Shanghai actually originated here in Portland because there's a bunch of tunnels underneath uh, the main old part of Portland, Oregon. And they're called the Shanghai Tunnels. And so the legend is that they, these tunnels connected businesses in the downtown area with the uh, shipping wharfs. And so it was basically originally a convenient way to have um, to to ship or not ship, but transport materials, uh, goods uh, for to, and, and uh, supplies to different bars and restaurants in the downtown area and other businesses as well. But what it, it became came to be used in a much darker way where uh, especially women, uh, but men as well would be drugged and thrown down shoots in these businesses <laughs> down into these tunnels where people would come and take them away and sell them off into slavery. Either sexual slavery or in the case of the men, uh, they would be put to work uh, in different countries uh, or they would be sent to, to China where they would be used in slave labor there. Uh, 
there is some question as to whether or not this is true, Joe. There's some, some people are not quite uh, on board, but they are looking for. It's always been a legend. It's always been passed down from from person to person, and so they've been searching for evidence to prove that yes, this was happening. But at any rate, liar. Uh, that's where the term came from. If you've been drugged and sent someplace, you've been shanghaied, and that eventually developed into the term that we now use today when you've just been scammed by someone god that that sounds terrible yeah i can honestly say i in the truest form of the word i have never been shanghaied yeah I, not that i'm aware of not no, that I'm the, of. the original term i well i would hope not because you'd have a very different backstory um but i always thought that the term shanghaied might be kind of mildly racist or something, you know, like it would have racist origins or something. Sure. Like, but, but in reality, I guess it comes from, uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, and they were the, just called the Shanghai tunnels. Uh, and so the term literally comes from somebody dumping, uh, drugged up people down into the tunnels and having them sent off someplace to be slaves. So there are walking tours where people can go and and and, and bring the kids and bring the kids. Yeah, um, this was so, and and people come and do that. So uh, people who experience living in captivity, suffering at the hands of others, and dying in their circumstances, sometimes can't let go of their ordeal and restlessly haunt the place of their captivity. Many captives died in the Portland tunnels, underground cells, uh, due to harsh treatment, lack of water and food, and overdoses of knockout drugs. Life as a prostitute slave was full of risks and life-threatening moments. Um, in the early 1900s, yeah, that I, I would imagine it's not a great existence. In the early 1900s, one young sex slave, Nina, was approached by missionaries who promised to rescue her from her horrible life. If she told them who kidnapped her and who was her owner, she complied, but was killed and thrown down the elevator shaft of the merchant hotel where she worked. Ah! But before she, uh, before she could be rescued, either by a deranged customer or more probably by her peeved owner. I, I would say that they're probably not just peeved. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, that there's gotta be a stronger term than peeved. <laughs> Somebody's playing Mad Libs with you there. Yeah, I, I would say that that's, yeah, I would say that enraged maybe, yeah. diabolical maybe, but peeved, I, I think yeah. that, that's... Slightly irked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she died there, and now, uh, all these years later, people uh, believe that uh, when they are, tra because they take tours of the tunnels, uh People have reported smelling a certain fragrance, you know, like a perfume when they're down there. Other people have heard a woman whispering in their ears. Um, uh, of course, Nina's picture is hanging on a wall, and there's a brick that is located in one of the walls of the old elevator shaft that is now part of a booth with her name etched on it. She is regarded by many as a brave heroine who helped, who dared to turn in her captors and let outsiders know what was happening. She makes her presence known by appearing as a lady in white or a lady wearing a black dress, I suppose, depending on her mood. She likes to stand on the balcony and make appearances in front of staff and patrons for her personal amusement. 
The aroma of perfume is noticed by the living, and then a brief glimpse of a black dress on a figure looking over the patron's shoulder. In the early morning, or closing time, is when she is most active, floating and moving through the restaurant, moving chairs, items on the tables, in the kitchen to let employees know that she is there. One employee was left alone in the kitchen after closing, finishing up work chores. He heard the soft tapping of footsteps coming toward him. He looked up and saw a female form dressed in a long black dress walking towards him. When this female entity, Nina, saw him looking at her, she stopped, looked at him before going down the basement steps toward the blocked up tunnel. Um, so there are other entities who died there. People um, say that they, uh, uh, entities of those who died underground in a massacre uh, can be heard crying out in the middle of the night. Hello. And um, they wander the tunnels where they died, but also visit favorite joints of theirs while alive. So they do want to party, you know, once in a while. Sometimes you need a break. I think she only wears that black dress when it's after Labor Day. <laughs> that could that could be. She's got style, yeah. You know what? I think somebody should probably mention that to the people of Portland uh, and those tours. Uh, let them yeah. know, hey, is it just summer that she's wearing the white dress? <laughs> All right. So that is the legend of the Shanghai Tunnels and a little bit I, of history of where the term Shanghai came from. I, I hope that our next ghost story contains a lot of phrases like, breaking glass or creaking stairs or <laughs> something that's going to make it a lot easier to add some Foley work to. <laughs> well, look, Joe, when I don't when, have a lot of sound effects to represent the word white dress. <laughs> well, you could um, maybe do a whistle like, you know, kind of thing or whatever. Um, Again, I'll I, see what I can do. And then um, when, when she falls down the elevator shaft, maybe do a scream or something like that. It's going to be nothing but Bugs Bunny cartoon noises. Oh, perfect. Ah, uh, okay, well, that is all we have for this week. It's been another stellar episode. And um, please... Consummate professionals. Yes, consummate. Please send us your uh, ghost stories to... Uh, you can either message us on Facebook with uh, on the Cinescare uh, page, or you can email us at CinescareHorror at gmail.com. So that's all we've got for this week. I hope you guys have a good two weeks, and we'll see you later in the month. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>